podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. One. All right, Bosco's boys are back, and it's probably, if not my favorite, one of my favorite recurring guests. He's probably the most knowledgeable dude I know when it comes to college sport or college football in general, and he's definitely the guy when it comes to insights on the K-State football program and recording. It is Derek the Goat Young of KSO, Garrett, or Derek, not Garrett. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to change your name. Derek, how are you doing tonight? D.Y., how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing, doing pretty good, just taking all the news in that we get every day uh, and kind of forming all of my opinions and takes on it, but that typically changes by the hour. Yes, it, it does change very quickly, and just uh, so all the listeners know, we are recording this on July 8th. This is going out on the typical Monday release date. Um, so who knows what's going to happen between now and then. Um, so you guys can either look at us as prophets who predicted everything correctly or laugh at us uh, about, you know, how, how quickly everything changes. Uh, before we get going, though, uh, we need to make fun of Grant. I what did you do to him? Did you just bully him too hard? It seems like every time I bring on the show, something pops up and Grant does not want to join us. Yeah, we had that Twitter spat, which I thought was just us, you know, trolling each other. But, man, every time I join Bosco, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, that, that's weird. You know, I thought you guys were civil the last time uh, you, me, and Flando hung out, but – Apparently, he was just putting on a show because he missed Flando so much. You guys might be the biggest rivalry in the game right now. Yeah, I'm an intimidating guy. <laughs> that you are. So, we're going to get into, uh, you know, all things K-State football. Um, and basically, more than actual football is everything surrounding it. Real quick, because this became the biggest non-COVID news, basically, of 2020 with K-State. Um, I think at this point, everyone knows uh, the uh, situation that surrounded a white nationalist who was a student that had um, some very bad tweets, caused the uh, student-athlete protests, and, you know, it, it was national news. It was on multiple podcasts, not only sports, but uh, political news podcasts. It was on ESPN, Fox Sports 1, um, on the bottom line. So this really turned into a national story. Um, but it seems like, you know, moving forward, uh, the team is coming back for all the voluntary workouts that are starting this week. Are you expecting everyone back or are there going to be any holdouts or what's it like inside the locker room right now that, you know, seemingly a, uh, agreeable solution has come from the athletic department and the university? Yeah, it would seem that, you know, at least most everyone got back to square one when you, you got that message from the players that said that they were ending the protest. Of course, it seemed like there was a few that maybe wasn't completely, you know, on board with that move or at least not in unison. 
it looked like it slowly became the majority of almost all, you know, the football program. I still wonder if there's a couple of players that are kind of iffy, but I haven't heard of anything that would, anything alarming that should, you know, sound the alarm bells for anyone on this front. I think it's going to be, you know, an incident or, or a situation where, you know, probably going to be fluid and Kansas State's going to have to, you know, cash in on some of those promises that they made in their statement and to continue to make that kind of progress. And then the players will, you know, continue to do what they're supposed to do if they feel like the university is doing what they're supposed to do. So um, kind of a 50-50 thing, as long as everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, I don't foresee any doomsday scenarios uh, when it comes to that. and. And I would imagine that we've heard the last of it in terms of uh, it being any kind of adversity that they have to fight through. I think that they've kind of solved it. Yeah, and I, and I like to hear that. I, I'm curious on your take of this because I'm obviously very biased, lifelong K-State fan, K-State graduate, and uh, I really wanted to see things handled well. But when I look at some of the other issues that arose at – Texas, Oklahoma State, Florida State, all that type of stuff. I was very pleased with how K-State, you know, the university side of things and athletics handled it. Um, am I wrong? Am I being a homer if I tried to give them, you know, an A-plus, maybe not A-plus, but an A-grade on how the university athletics department handled it? Or how did you come out of uh, that story thinking how they did handle it? Well, I think that they probably – have some stigmas to overcome now because all the, you know, the, the perceptions and stigmas of Manhattan and Kansas State that were already out there probably got to push to the center a little bit. So the, the, they'll have to fight that stigma a little bit further um, when it comes to that. But in terms of support for their students and their student athletes, they probably came out ahead. And probably, I think the perception now is that they, they really handled it well. They really supported their athletes well, supported their students well, and, um, you know, aren't going to stand for, you know, you know being prejudiced towards a group of people or, or racist towards uh, the black community in Kansas State, realizing that there is hardships that they they have that, you know, others don't. Um, so I, I think that the perception, at least for me, and what I kind of grasp from others that maybe aren't, tied to Kansas State is that they really kind of threaded the needle here and did everything that they could to empower their students and also push for the progress and reform that they wanted at the same time. So, no, I think they handled it as well as you can. Um, it was not an easy situation to navigate, and they did without truly any additional hiccups, and sometimes that's hard to do uh, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa, you, you're actually running into situations there where, where the ones being criticized for not being supportive or ones, you know, being criticized of being very narrow-minded in how they view certain people are actually the coaches. But when it came to Kansas State, when it showed up at the front door because of what that tweet from from that student ignited. Uh, there was no bad stories or bad examples coming from this coaching staff and how they treat players. All you heard was 
as how much they were supporting their players throughout you know the situation and i think that's going to be viewed fondly by the administration that they answered to by the college football world that, that was watching and by recruits that were watching so no i think they came out ahead and did everything right and you have to remember that though they have stigmas to fight their problem was that the coaching staff not being supportive like was the case at Oklahoma State and Iowa. Yeah, and, and you kind of touched on the next thing I was going to ask. So uh, forgive me for, you know, repeating it, but how did, you know, either folks, you know, family or recruits that are interested in case there are folks outside of college football looking in, did they, did, did the gauge of how case it handled it, you know, pass the Smith test for folks who weren't reading and involved in it day in and day out. Yeah, it's, it's kind of been shocking to me, not just in relation to Kansas State, but in relation to these situations that are popping up on in college football programs, how it has it. I'm a little surprised it hasn't negatively affected recruiting um, all that much, if at all. Uh, obviously, Iowa went through you know, I had a few weeks of just like different accusations from past players about how very insensitive and sometimes racist some of their coaches were, going from the strength and condition coach Chris Doyle to the linebacker coach Seth Wallace to, you know, the offensive coordinator Brian Ferent to Akram Wadley's recent accusations about Kurt Ferris, the head coach. Do all that, the only guy that was pushed out the door with the strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle despite all that and, and they've done a pretty good job just like Kansas State of kind of trying to reverse the momentum and fix themselves and work towards progress as well so I won't take that away from them but through all those misdeeds and missteps and very insensitive remarks by those coaches towards those, those players for years through all that they still were able to kind of turn it around and then they landed Jordan a lot of cute, for example, the corner out of Tampa over Iowa, over Pittsburgh, or no, over Kansas State and over Pittsburgh. So it didn't really affect their recruiting in a negative way. It didn't take them long to, you know, add in, you know, a black college football recruit um, from Tampa recently after all that, you know, took place. For Kansas State, I actually heard from a few different recruits um, that were paying attention to everything, of course, one being corner Trey Washington, um, another one being Devin Lemire, the safety from Texas. Uh, just, you know, some of their, their targets that were well aware of how that was taking place, they unprovoked, I didn't even ask, unprovoked kind of commended and complimented Kansas State were coming together as a team during all of it and how they were supported by the coaches. Definitely, and I, and I like hearing that. And uh, we'll move away from uh, from that topic to one that also isn't very fun. We'll talk about everything surrounding uh, trying to get in a football season. But before we do, uh, they, they've been our name sponsor for a while, and they sponsor the entire uh, Armchair Media Network. That's betonline.ag. There's no short of action going over there. 
uh, betonline.ag. you got all sorts of fights going on. you got European soccer. I'm glad to see you're on the Chelsea bandwagon. They had a nice win versus, uh, versus Crystal Palace. It was a little nervy towards the end, but if you had the over three and a half on goals, you were cashing that ticket. They have everything over there, and guess what? When people are listening to this, MLS is back. Sporting KC would have just had their first game yesterday, and you have MLS. End of the month, God willing, we have NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, all the professional sports coming back, hopefully, to complete their season later this month. So there's not a better time to get over to betonline.ag to get your welcome bonus. So like I said, we have to talk about – you know, K-State football trying to get back to the voluntary workouts this week. Um, you, I think you said it over on K-State Online that they're 0 for 1 on being perfect and they need to be perfect the rest of the way to help have a season. What sort of confidence uh, is there, if any, inside the athletic department that, hey, you know what, these about half the team left Manhattan, half the team's coming or stayed. Um, are they going to get the testing results they need to get voluntary workouts going back? And then before you know it, two, three weeks down the line, you're going to be having drills and some conditioning stuff with the coaches. Um, is there any confidence or are they just saying, hey, we're going to try our best and let the chips fall where they may? I think if you would have asked me this a month ago, there was pretty good confidence. And I, I don't think that's there anymore. Uh, they're still operating. Um, or under the assumption in their minds that they're, they're playing a game on September 5th. So if that gives people optimism, um, I still think that in their minds that's taking place. Um, that's still two months from now, but they're going to have to start really kind of getting underway of some real football stuff in the very near, fear, very near future. So I don't think that they're completely deflated. But I don't think that they're as confident as they were a month ago. And they're not the only ones that had to pause workouts. Um, just today, and we're doing this on Wednesday, July 8th, we heard a North Carolina pause workouts today. Um, Houston already had before Kansas State. KU did, I think, after Kansas State. And now I just went on Twitter, Ohio State has paused all workouts um, as, as of this evening, Wednesday, July 8th. So Kansas State isn't the only one struggling here. Um, North Carolina put out the number with 37 positive tests between football players and staff, I think. That's why they paused it. Clemson had that number as well. Just players, I believe, 37, and they didn't even pause workouts. So full speed ahead there. Um, I would just say that this continues to be problematic. Even before this podcast was underway, I was like, yeah, you know, we heard – you know, the Big Ten possibly doing what they're going to do in terms of a 10-game season, conference only, five home, five away, over a span of maybe 13 or 14 weeks. You put the bye weeks in there because you have to make up some games. I was like, all right, you know, maybe this will, maybe this will work. But now I hear Ohio State had a pause stuff. So, and they're not even necessarily in a state that's called a, a hot spot, so to speak. It's not Texas, Florida, Arizona, or California. Um, but it, it, it's becoming problematic. They're going to jam this thing through, I think, or at least try to. And they're not going to give up until they absolutely have to give up. And there's so many logistical nightmares that come with the spring football season because of how it will affect the following year as well. Um, 
So they're going to try, but uh, yeah, confidence is diminishing. Yeah, so you mentioned some of it just today. The Ivy League officially said that they will have no sports until a minimum after January 1st. That encompasses football, it encompasses the start of hockey and basketball, which are both big Ivy League sports, along with all the traditional fall. As you mentioned, the Big Ten, uh, the reports are being floated out there. It's not official yet, but the reports of a 10-game conference-only schedule. You have USC saying that they're not going to have folks coming back onto campus and a lot of whispers out of the Pac-12 on what they're going to do. Um, Just a lot of uncertainty. So I'm going to go rogue from the outline because you and I started talking about this before I hit record. Um, In in your head, do you think that if you're going to try to do a fall football schedule, the best way to proceed is just, hey, let's just do conference. Let's try to spread out nine to ten games over – 14 weeks, 15 weeks, or if you were the czar of college football, would you just try to do uh, almost a half and half, a, you know, five games over 10, 12 weeks in the fall and then five over nine in the spring? Yeah, these are difficult questions. I can understand why they're having difficulty coming to these solutions because I, I don't know exactly what I would do. First off, I think they, I think a problem that they're having in one area that they have, these decision makers, and I think the decision makers really are probably just the Power Five conference commissioners and those athletic directors. I think it's just those people. They're going to be the ones that say go. Um, one is that you do have so many hands in the pot here that it does take so many to say go. And in the NBA, it only takes one person to say go, and that's Adam Silver, the commissioner. In in college football, it takes plenty. If you have conference-only seasons, what happens to Notre Dame? That's also another good question. Uh, Well, the Big 12 only has 10, so hey, Notre Dame, come be a uh, Big 12 member, help us get to 10 games. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But I think part of the, like what I was getting back to too, I think part of the problem for some of these decision makers too, is that I don't think that they were being, maybe they thought they were, but they weren't being practical when they, when they set out to do all of this. I, I don't think they understood the kind of difficulties that they would be faced with uh, or how much it could spread or how many guys based on CDC guidelines would be forced into quarantine at one time or how tough it would be to manage the behavior of kids 18 to 21 years old, um, how difficult it would be to get one team to be perfect, let alone 50, 60. Uh, I just don't think that they were rational in their approach here. I think it seemed like they're like, all right, everybody comes back and we'll do voluntary workouts. You know, this is easy. We'll, We'll be fine. And and then I think there were hiccups and flaws along the way that maybe these decision makers didn't foresee. Um, I think some of the execution at some of these facilities at at different schools were flawed as well. I I think some, you you hear different reports, and it's hard to tell what's real and what isn't because 
the veracity of these reports is you, you just don't know what to believe and what not to believe. But there's really kids going into workouts and starting to, you know, like we, like we heard at different programs, players coming in late. Like everyone moved in, but there were three or four stragglers. And those three or four stragglers started to mingle and be around the football team before their test result was back, even though everyone else is what. It's like, I don't know. I guess I, I, it's a little bizarre to me that they didn't think about that. Hey, these three or four guys probably shouldn't be around anyone until these test results are back. Because if those are positive, then we just, you know, infected, you know, how many other players. And I think that's how it's spread at some of these schools. It's like some of it is just they didn't realize how difficult it would be. And some of it was just like flawed behavior like that. It's like, of course, you shouldn't put everyone together if some guys don't have their test results back. And that, that gets into another problem is now there's some schools, heck, there's some professional franchises having this problem of not getting results back in a timely manner. Sometimes it's taking upwards of a week. And that's why some of the Major League Baseball franchises said to shut down their facilities because they still don't know if this person is clear. So, no, there's just a lot of struggles and complications that it just didn't seem like they were prepared for. And I think that's why we're seeing a handful of programs having to pause work. Yeah, it's it's getting wild. It's kind of demoralizing. You and I have had probably close to a dozen conversations ranging from confidence of a 12-game season to I think where we are the low point today. Um, there's one other kind of thing I want to throw out there. I don't think it's feasible, but I saw uh, some folks on Twitter talking about it. It's been on the message boards. I heard it on a couple different college football podcasts being talked about today. It's just completely throwing out the idea of conferences and trying to do more regional bus-type schedules. Um, that That's not going to happen, correct? There isn't someone who might be whispering that into different folks' ears. That's just, you know, folks trying to be creative and come up with stuff, right? Well, I heard, it was a couple of weeks ago, but I heard something about a regional schedule. Um, there was a few programs that had been looking into it, but a couple of those programs were Big Ten schools, and now you have the Big Ten kind of pushing forward with, you know, yeah. with this new plan. I don't know how this new plan will be affected by, by what happened in Ohio State, but uh, – yeah, it, it certainly becomes a little bit deflating each day. It seemed like the month of May, it got we got more confident by the day. And once June hit, you know, it was just more deflating by the day. And July has been more of the same. Hopefully, you know, over the next month and a half, we'll see what these new rising cases actually mean. Hopefully we get more science, scientific solutions that will help. Uh, hopefully some of the remedies and you know mitigation strategies that are being deployed now across the country, uh, hopefully they start to work and maybe we'll see, you know, less transmission. Uh, hope maybe we'll find out that the virus is less fatal. Uh, the, the problem now is that the, the few places that are being hit Extensively are the ones that are, you know, you have the increased hospitalization rate in a few different cities right now, uh, like Texas and Florida and Arizona are dealing with uh, 
So I think that's kind of the issue, and you don't want college football to be the reason that it turns that way in other places. So I understand, you know, the hesitation for so many right now why this is hard to pull off. But I, I, I guess I'm hoping that there is some way to push this through, some way to have something. I don't have the solution. I even mentioned on the message board too, I know we haven't talked about this, but maybe like a 10-day 10, 10, 10 game. Um, but there's two ways to look at that. I said a 10-day game week because maybe that allows you more time for COVID protocol for a player to get through it and still play that game, not miss a game. So he can get his negative test through and not have to quarantine for so many days. So that would be a way to have more players available. But another way to look at it too is maybe that's more time for other players to get infected as well. It's going to be tough. I just don't know how we get this done. Even though I was never a proponent of it, I think some sort of action in the spring might, though it's seen as a last resort by so many, it might be that we need that last resort. Um, and I don't know if that means the, the paychecks for these athletic departments comes too late and some are hurt well before then. I don't know. Or maybe find a way to get five games in now, five games in, in the spring. If you only, and I know that's really weird. Don't get me wrong. You basically have a two-month, three-month halftime in between two seasons. It's really strange. I, I, I totally understand it, and I totally get it. And those five games, at least in the fall, are probably going to be spread out too just so that you can play them. So, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. But if that's the only way, that's the only way. And at least if you're playing a maximum of four or five games in the spring, you would hope that doesn't detract from the following season. Yeah, I think and, – and I've been through all these different, you know, you know, the full stages of grief. I, I think I just want something that resembles a season, but I want the full 12 in 2021. So um, if it came down to it, I, I mean, that, that's what I think my new priorities become. I don't know how realistic that is, but I do want to touch on something that is, you know. I, I, I actually have a question for you. Yes, let's hear because it. This, this is more your alley. Yes. How many Power Five athletic departments would struggle and to what extent if there is not a team? Yeah, so the, I, the, I, that was the next kind of question I was going to bring up because I think in my head when, when I've talked through this, when I've looked at it, I, I would think that – when you look into the financials and you look at some of the stuff that's going on in the Pac-12 conference, if you're talking about just Power Five, um, we we saw today Stanford. Granted, they carry almost every single varsity NCAA sport. They just dropped 11 today. You have Washington State that you know it, it should be illegal for them to operate in as big of a deficit as they do. Cal is in a similar financial position. If there's no college football, which would also bring me to say no NCAA basketball tournament money. I, I, I mean, again, I, I think power schools probably find a way, but I would not want to be working in an athletic department out in the Pac-12. Um, and just think about, like, the MAC schools. Someone posted it, you know, there's 11 MAC buy games coupled up with Big Ten schools. How are they going to survive? Because that's one of their biggest – you know, dollar, you know, revenues are these yeah. buy games. I'm, I'm legitimately nervous for um, the future of college athletics if we can't get 
a college football season, even, you know, the NCAA tournament back. Because I think of like, you know, the Cleveland states and Wichita states of the world, you know, if you're missing conference distributions from a basketball tournament for two straight years, which for those schools are the biggest, you know, revenue generators outside of student fees, it's just, it's just ugly and it's scary. And I'm, I'm worried because I, I love college athletics. I K-State football and basketball, my two favorite sports in the world. Um, and, and again, it's, it's from a very selfish point of view. When, when I talk about wanting, you know, a football season, all that type of stuff, it is very selfish because that's what I enjoy. Um, and, and it makes you do – it does make me feel a little dirty because, again, it's college athletes, yes, they're getting a stipend, they're getting, you know, education paid for, but at the end of the day, it is supposed to just be a quote-unquote extracurricular activity and so much of the entertainment value for me as a fan is tied up to it. So it's, it's just a weird feeling all around knowing that we could be on the dawn of college athletics never being the same if we can't get a football season. Yeah, yeah it's going to change no matter what, even if, if there is some type of season. I would venture to say that there's going to be enough of a remedy in place that – I guess here, here's my thing is like, you can always have an incident by basketball tournament, right? Like it doesn't matter when that's not weather dependent. Yeah. Like, they can, they can start in some basketball season in March. If it's really that important to get that income. Yeah, that's true. Now, but is, is, but is there a time where they need it by though? Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, I think if, if, like if college football happened in spring, does, it, does that still financially crippling for power five programs? Well, so I believe most Power Five athletic departments, their fiscal year uh, ends in June, and July 1st is the start of the fiscal year. So I think in, it, people will be sweating, and you might have some TV companies that are being asked to write a check um, before all inventory is played. But it's, it's going to be – there is going to be some, uh, some squeaky moments if, if they do try to – do that because that's when the fiscal year comes into play in theory if, if, if it's happening you some of these athletic departments probably could get a private loan to bridge them a month but I mean I I would not want to be working in an athletic department right now no and neither neither would I and I guess my thing is like let's say there is treatment vaccine stuff that starts to circulate beginning in December excuse me, beginning in December and maybe is a little bit more all-encompassing by January or February, you could start college basketball then. They probably only need three weeks oh, of like a yeah. training. Yeah, it's not a contact sport. And I'm sure for the most part, most of them stay. So you'd have to truncate the season down a little bit still. But then, I mean, you could, you could play, you know, maybe it is only on conference again. It, but, uh, I mean, but even then, so much of everything is, as you pointed out, logistical. So the whole issue with college football is, you know, if there was just a plan that people had confidence in, I think that would take a lot of anxiety around it. Could you really tell basketball, hey, you know, we're definitely not starting on time. And, hey, if a vaccine pops up, you know, in January – We'll do our best to get our hands on it and hope you guys are ready to start rolling in March. I mean, I think that's a tough ask of players, coaches, and all that type of stuff. And, again, it might be a necessity. 
just logistical wise, I mean, could you imagine, especially trying to scramble, get all those guys back on campus if they're not doing on-campus learning? I mean, it, it it's a logistic that's, nightmare. That's, that's, that's another wrinkle. In about a month, kids face with so class. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, man, it's just crazy to think about. And it's giving me anxiety and – uh, you know, I just I hope I hope they figure it out. And again, we I I, I, th- I I'm afraid though that because there's still so much of the virus as we sit here on July 8th, um, and how how what a positive test means uh, for individuals. Um, I my confidence is just getting lower and lower every day. So. I'm going to move on from that because it hurts my soul to continue talking about it. It really sucks. Um, And I'll tell you what, the only thing that might hurt as much as missing a football season is a manscaping accident. Derek, I don't know if you've ever screwed up trying to manscape for your lady or anything like that, but if you do, it, it, it ruins an entire week. It definitely ruins date night, but with the lawnmower, 3.0, 3.0, that's right, 3.0, not only do they have a guarantee that you will not nick, cut, or snag any part of your body when you're manscaping, it now has a 90-minute battery, and it's waterproof, so you can be manscaping in the shower, brushing your teeth, washing your hair, just, you can do it all in the shower now, thanks to Manscaped. Not only do they have the lawnmower 3.0, but I just got my order in today of their body wash. I'm not kidding. They send us a care package every time we start doing their uh, their ad reads. They give us the new lawnmower. They give us some ball deodorant, some lotion, all that type of stuff. I like their body wash so much. I use the promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping so I can get some more of their body wash and literally the most comfortable boxers I've ever put on. So if you want to manscape, if you want to make it look all nice for you know your partners in bed, go to manscaped.com lawnmower 3.0 and all their other stuff promo code armchair 20 percent off and guess what if you guys send me a picture of the of your manscaped you know items that you order i'm really bad at wording this because the first time it was bad but you know if you order from manscaped you send me a picture of what comes in the mail i will personally send you a bosco's boys koozie on top of it so you know i i couldn't imagine not going to manscaped.com and using promo code armchair with all that type of stuff so we'll transition into uh, recruiting talk. Again, this is where you are. There's no one in the world better than you. You know, there are some football insiders, you know, Pete Thamel, uh, Dennis Dodd, that might know more about inside college football than you, but no one knows more about K-State football recruiting than you. So since we last had you on, there was three commitments in the month of June, all of them happening basically in the course of a week. I just want to ask you about each three of these guys. Let me know, you know, the strengths, what K-State fans, if they choose to be optimistic, should really uh, get excited about each of these guys. I want to start off on the one who is the most interesting prospect, maybe in the entire recruiting class so far. That's uh, Dervin Weathers. Uh, he, he's, a, he's truly a football player. When you watch his tape, he is just a football player, and he's playing at one of those small school powerhouse uh, teams in Missouri in Webb City. Um, what would you tell K-State fans if they want to be excited about this kid, why they should? He's a winner. He's fast. Uh, he'll be one of the fastest kids in the class. He has size potential, which means he's going to grow even more. 
to the point where, yeah, he could play running back possibly. Uh, I don't necessarily see that at this point, mostly because of need and, and because they might be recruiting a different running back anyway out of Georgia. Uh, and they already got Jaden Williams out of Iowa, and they're not taking three. Somebody's playing a different position. I'm guessing it's Weathers. And I and I really see him growing into a linebacker. Uh, probably someone that's going to have a similar build as, like, uh, I want to say, like, an Elijah Sullivan, so to speak. Uh, kind of play that type of role where we're going to that kind of linebacker now. So I could see him growing into that role. I mean, they still want length at the position, but you don't have to be 230-pound big dude. You just got to be long. You got to be able to cover because this is the Big 12, and you got to be able to run. You got to be able to tackle. Um, think about like Jabril Cox that they had at North Dakota State. He played linebacker in North Dakota State, just transferred to LSU. He's that good. He, he didn't play linebacker in high school. He played quarterback. So I think you're getting – I don't want to say Devin Weathers is going to be Jabril Cox. I know people are probably in a Russian. Nope, I I you said, said it. That. Um, we're, going to, we're going to cut it. We're going to put it on Twitter. D.Y. said <laughs> Weathers is Jabril Cox 2.0. Future yeah. NFL draft pick. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how good he's going to be. I, he's got a, a lot of upside. But I, I can see him carving out the same path that Jabril Cox did. Definitely. The, the next one, it's the second Colorado kid out of this uh, class, Braden Wood. Uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the better recruiting wins when you look at uh, what they had to overcome, not being able to get visits, beating other Power 5 schools. And then Louisville, where I believe he did get to go on a visit to uh, before all this happened. Um, first offensive lineman in this class. What can you tell us about him? Because I, when that one came through, I was pumped, and I think his dad was pretty pumped too. Yeah, his dad's a pretty excitable guy. Uh, a, a very, very good father, very supportive of him. And, and yeah, they defeated Louisville for him. Louisville did, did get a visit too. So that was a pretty big recruiting win when you think about it in that light. But they were always pretty high on Kansas State. So they had some, you know, connections to the school. I think he had an uncle that was teammates with in high school with Colin Klein and, and stuff of that nature. His grandfather was kind of a case, kind of liked him to K-State. So they had a lot of things going in their favor uh, to kind of defeat that, you know, the advantages Louisville had. But he's, he's a pretty disruptive defensive tackle. He'll play three tech. He's pretty athletic and quick out of the stance. So he has a chance to be pretty disruptive in that role. Uh, but, yeah, he was another one of those commits in June. It was like the three Ws. We just talked about weather. That's Wood. And, of course, the next one, Austin Weiner. And, I mean, he's another guy with – he's probably going to be my pick, Austin Weiner is, in the class that will definitely outperform his ranking. Um, because – and I understand it. He'll probably be a low three-star. He already is. And that's because he's such a project and he doesn't – He's not even going to play offensive line in high school. He's going to play offensive line in college. It's really hard to project or at least stick your neck out more than a low three-star grade for someone, you know, kind of going in that path. But if you look at his bloodlines with, with you know, how his father kind of matured and grew at Kansas State into an All-American you know, NFL draft pick and an NFL player, uh, Todd Liner. Uh, Todd Liner was 225 pounds when he got to K-State. So, uh, Austin's already well ahead of that. He's six foot seven and approaching two hundred and fifty. 
he's put on about 35 in the last year. So I think I love that he's already making progress in, in uh, you know, in roads to, to adding that ball. To, it shows me that he's capable of doing it and it won't be a scenario where he can't when he gets to Manhattan. And you look at his bloodlines and the, how athletic he is. I, I would be surprised if he's not a multi-year starter at Kansas State. Yeah, I I actually think, and again, you know, the class is only about half full. Um, outside of possibly Jake Rubley, he's the one who, at least in my untrained eye, I think has the highest upside potential as a guy who could, you know, if you want to project out, you know, talking NFL draft type stuff. He has the prototypical size for a tackle and could be making all conference lists. I'm I'm very excited to see, you know, what Connor Riley can do when he gets him on campus and uh, you know, gets him into some games and uh spring ball, all that stuff. So he's gonna be the one I have my eye on probably harder than everyone except for Rubley. Um like I said, they're about halfway done. Uh and and at least last year the staff really shined in identification by going to those camps, you know, having the camps on campus, how much of an issue is it that they aren't able to do that and fill out the recruiting board with some of those hidden gem finds uh, this year? And is that going to end up, you know, hurting Kasich maybe more than the average school for this recruiting cycle? It's a big issue, and it probably does hurt them more because they want to rely on it so much. They did it at North Dakota State. They always had their, their big commit weekends. I mean, last year was not new to them. They did that stuff in North Dakota State, so they, they really trust their own emails because not only can you coach them up to see how coachable they are, you can kind of size them up and see how big maybe they can still get or how fast they can still get to get, you know, accurate times that you do yourself. You don't have to, you know, kind of guess that the people that are doing times in other places are doing it right and have it as accurate as you want it to be. So, so they they take great pride in those camps and and they they put a huge amount of value on them because it's, it's their own in-person assessment and I think it's a big deal and it's probably a big, more of a big deal to them and some other schools than it is others. It's how it always is and and I know because I was talking to someone that's pretty familiar with their with their efforts the other day and he said you know senior film is going to end up being a pretty big thing for them because. You know, they need that extra evaluation on, you know, anything in full guys. And then you walk into what problem is, is there going to be that senior film for some of these kids? Hard to know. Yep, definitely. And then one more thing that I wanted to touch on, um, because it was brought up on the boards um, that, that's concerning, and I think everyone knows that in the Big 12, you have to have some sort of presence in Texas that just really isn't happening this year at least compared to uh, last year I think you got one commit you don't have a ton of guys on your current big board um, you know is that basically just a product of them not being able to get out on the road and not getting kids uh, up to Manhattan or is that maybe something that fans should keep an eye on that hey you know maybe Texas just isn't going to be as big of a deal in the future Oh, no, Texas is still a big deal. You got Van Malone, you got Joe Klanderman, you got Buddy White. Still a big deal. It's kind of making it happen the way it is right now. I mean, you can't get kids on visits. So there's a lot of those Texas schools are going to be the beneficiary of that because 
you're seeing a lot of local programs went out on certain recruiting battles, you know, instead of that age, because either they've already visited or their, their parents let them close to home because of what's going on in the world. So, you know, that, that has everything to do with events outside of their control right now. And hopefully that's only a one year thing. Um, and just, you know, when you look at the holes they need to fill coming in the, into next year, are there any red flags, at least the way you look at it, you know, how many guys they're targeting at any, at any given position? Um, you know, I think there's been some concern by some folks not, not going after enough uh, defensive linemen. Some folks think more linebackers need to be brought in than others. Um, are, are there any of those, you know, kind of worrisome spots for me? You know, I'm, I'm looking like at tight end. I think you already said that whoever the tight end is probably hasn't been offered yet. So th that's where my head's at. You're a much more even keel guy than me. Uh, so you can either talk me down or you can make my red flags a little brighter. I mean, they'll still get it. They're still looking for a good tight end. And I trust that they'll find one that's up to snuff for them. Uh, I don't really wouldn't say any red flags, so to speak. A little surprised that they might be chasing another running back. I wouldn't just if and maybe they aren't, uh, it, or maybe it won't work out that way. But it seems like they're, you know, at least intrigued by the idea of adding another one or or thinking about it. And then for me, I'm I, I think I'm okay with the linebacker. Because I think Devontae Pritchard will probably play linebacker. And I think Devin Weathers might play linebacker. I mean, you don't play three. I mean, this is the 1990s. So uh, it's, I think they're going to be just fine at the linebacker position. And I think they're recruiting that at a clip that I would anticipate and that I would recommend. Um, I don't think it's a red flag. But I have concerns about the defensive line recruiting. But that has more to do with guys that seem viable. I think they're still going to add, but they're, they're about the number that I would. So it's not like uh, strategy is, is my issue. I just I don't see a lot of realistic targets along the defensive line right now. Definitely. And then before we get into the final one, just one more final shout out to uh, betonline.ag again. They're the spot for all your soccer, gambling, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, all going to be back by the end of the month. And guess what? Fingers crossed we'll be betting on college football on betonline.ag come this fall. And, again, you can do it from your laptop, your tablet. I, I use them on my phone, in-game, live, wagering, all sorts of stuff. And guess what? For plus $1,200 – Kanye West wins a state in the 2020 presidential election. So if you think Kanye is going to pull off a state, if he's going to pull off his home, home state of Illinois, put some money down on Kanye and he could be cashing out big. So the last true question I'm going to ask is – I got another question for you. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Pro sports. Pro sports. they all work? Uh, so – You think they all – haven't figured out or at least without <laughs> without any hiccup well so i guess my question is what do you define hiccup because fc dallas for mls got sent home because they had 10 guys 
Okay, that they won't cancel, don't have to cancel it all together. So they actually play beginning to end. Yeah, I I do. I think MLS is going to see it all the way through. Granted, you're going to have some postponement of some positive tests that came into the bubble. You had FC Dallas who left, so there's going to have to be some rescheduling. But I think MLS is starting tonight as we're recording this. Um, I think in six minutes or an hour and six minutes, time zones, you know, shout out to Nick Russell. Um, I'm not great with time zones uh, right now. But I think we are going to see it start, and I think we are going to see a quote-unquote champion of the MLS's back tournament. I think Wait, NBA – the first game is tonight? Yes, Orlando versus Miami, uh, ESPN, which, you know, is nothing because there's going to be like 15 games between this recording when folks listen. Uh, but I think they're going to go all the way. I think the NBA is – if they get started, they will go all the way. Major League Baseball will not play a single game this season is my prediction. I don't think we will I, I see a to, single I, baseball game. I had that. I had that same prediction for Major League Baseball. I'm starting to think maybe they can play a game or or a week or something, but they are definitely not finishing because they put this together very haphazardly and with no real preparation. And oh, yeah. it's the worst in the worst managed league in all of professional sports. Well, and I don't think they even want to play. I don't, I, the the players are pissed off. The owners 100% didn't want to play. So I think at the like the very first sign of adversity, they're just going to pack it up, and that'll be that. So that's how I and think professional NBA, sports the, will go. The NBA has the best model, so if they can't do it, then I'm worried about everyone else. Well, they they copied almost verbatim MLS. So MLS was talking about going to a bubble before anyone's. I, I, you should be putting some respect on MLS's name. Uh, <laughs> And you're a soccer guy now, too. So I think Sunday you need to make sure you're watching Sporting KC. Um, you know, and, you know, Chelsea isn't enough. We need you all in on the local club and the U.S. men's national yeah. team, too. I, mean, I watch any sports right now. Hey, if sports ever comes back for uh, fans in attendance, I'm taking you to a sporting game. So the final question mm-hmm. I did have on all this is we're, we're sitting in July. Um, Usually, a lot of guys really try to lock up their spot before football season, high school football season starting in August. What are some names K-State fans should be on the lookout for for a July commitment or maybe early August before the high school seasons hopefully kick off? Oh, yeah. That's you don't have to give away anything too premium. but Oh, no, you're fine. I think well, Andrew Lyon gained the offensive lineman on North Dakota. I think that one could pop off in July, early August. Probably Kansas State or Minnesota. One would think Kansas State's in a good position because they were so much earlier. I think there's a few guys in October. A wild card might be Malik Rainey, the Cincinnati commit out of Chicago. They're recruiting him as a nickel. Try not to flip him. Um, he kind of he, I mean, he jumped on that Cincinnati offer without visiting about five days after being offered. So he understands the recruiting game is how I understood that. So. If he wants in and he knows spots and he knows visits aren't happening, I think he he understands that time could be of the essence uh, as well. So I would keep an eye on him. I think Tyler Morrow is probably going to wait until the middle of the fall or end of the fall. Same with Kobe Brett. Uh, I don't know about Matthew Langloy at this point, uh, the Louisiana kid. Uh, Actually, the running back that I was talking about, Malachi Thomas, 
uh, from Georgia. He's looking to maybe make a decision in August. So um, that's one to pay attention to. I would imagine Devin Lemire keeps waiting, though. So, yeah, I would say maybe guys like Andrew Lion Gang, the Alpha Man, North Dakota, Malik Rainey, the Nickel out of Chicago, and, and perhaps one to look to keep an eye on is Malachi Thomas, the running back out of Georgia. I don't, I can't say with 100% conviction that they're going after him, you know, hardcore, but I know they've been in contact with him. Definitely. So that wraps up everything I had for you. As always, I, I want to give you a platform right at the end. Uh, let anyone know who isn't a subscriber over at KSO, what you and Flando are cooking up in the lab uh, to help us get through the summer. I know he's, uh, he's on top of it. Anytime there's a new round of, you know, Skype tours or Skype visits uh, on the basketball program, Flando just hops on there and it's like, boom, here's 12 guys that the basketball staff's meeting with over the next couple weeks. Uh, that kid grinds like no other. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grant Flando is the man when it comes to anything basketball on the Kansas State beat. So if you love Kansas State basketball, you should be on the site just, just for that kind of information, to be honest. Um, obviously, if there becomes some football practices in the near future and there's things for us to perhaps watch or cover out of that, we will. However, if, and this is how I think is how we're going to sell it because it's the way we can sell it and how we differentiate ourselves, you know, really from 65 days out of the year. Yes, there is no sports, but guess what? Or at least no college sports at the moment, but guess what? There might be high school football seasons, and if there is, we will be there. Um, and even though there is none, the sports, the most sports you could possibly get right now, at least for your Kansas State appetite, is recruiting. And we're on top of that better than anyone. So I understand the, the frustration right now with there being no college sports and kind of a big reprieve on athletic competitions in general and how frustrating that is. And I understand that. You wonder, hey, you know, what, what the hell are we paying for at this point or whatever? But, hey, we're going to be covering recruits, and that's the one thing that's going on in the Kansas State world. If you want to stay connected to sports in any way possible and stay connected to your school in Kansas State, recruiting's the way to do it, and we got it. Yep, I couldn't say any better myself. Uh, I'm over there a ton, and people like to make fun of me on the boards, and sometimes I get in arguments over uh, – Skylar Thompson. So if you guys want to see me fighting with people for the honor of Skylar Thompson over on the message boards, head on over there. You want to see people make he fun back, of my grammar. He backed off, Wait, he say backed what? off his Jack, you backed off your Jack's the mean stuff a little bit. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I'm a little sad about that. I, I think, uh, I think there's enough information out there. I, he's going to come through. He's going to be a future all American. Just might not be this year. So I'm not going to back, back off the bandwagon just yet. I'm just not going to, you know, I'm not going to go down in flames defending him or my bad nickname for him. So that's all we got. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, check out KSA online. I, I'll tell you this. It's the best money I spend every week. Uh, nobody covers recruiting or KSA football quite like Derek Young. And Grant Flando, I'm not kidding when I say it. there's no one in the world who is as plugged in to K-State basketball is Grant Flanders. I almost wonder if he's sometimes just in, you know, on the Skype calls or in the coaches group text myself. So that kid has it covered. So check them out. Check Derek out. Um, everyone tweet at Grant. Uh, just, just tell him hi. Like, we miss him. Tell him that Derek isn't that scary. He doesn't have to hide from him. So uh, – and, and tell him that Arsenal sucks. 
Yeah, tell them Arsenal sucks. Yes, I love it. I love how quickly you've been indoctrinated. I love it. So that's all we got. Uh, hopefully, I, so I'm not going to say anything quite yet, but if everything goes the way I hope it does in a couple emails, we might have one pretty epic show next week and possibly even two, just kind of depends. So stay tuned for announcements on that. And also check out our Teespring uh, store. Uh, Will Dubois over at To The Bell, he did another collaboration with us for an off-season t-shirt. Uh, no, or, wow, he had a great tagline for it too, and now, now I'm blanking on it. Uh, you need no reason uh, to drink in the off-season. or Oh, drinking needs no reason in the off-season. With a cool off-season Bosco the Dog logo. So I'll tweet out the link. Uh, put in the show notes, so check that out. And we might have another great T-shirt dropping here in a couple weeks, especially if we get that show we're holding out for. So we love you guys. Stay safe. Uh, wear a mask when you're out in public. Uh, don't infect anyone. Love your fellow humans. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Meet Grant at the Cathead. Sports Social Podcast Network.